good to see each and every one of you here, especially all the little ones. This morning I'm talking to you about something we've probably all been through as Christians. If not, get ready. It's about surprise attacks. You ever been blindsided with something or just felt like you've just been attacked for no reason whatsoever? You know, we talk about surprise attacks. I guess the first one that comes to our mind is tragedy is December the 7th, 1941. The Japanese launched a surprise attack on the American military base at Pearl Harbor. Now, the attack took the lives of over 2,300 U.S. servicemen. Now, most of the fleet of aircraft were damaged or destroyed. Eight battleships, three destroyers, and three cruisers were taken out of action. Two battleships, the Oklahoma and Arizona, was completely destroyed. The success of the attack was due in large part to the element of a surprise. The American forces weren't prepared for the attack. As tragic as that is, there's something even more tragic going on even today. Many Christians have been attacked and defeated by a surprise attack by the devil. Every Christian is living on a battlefield and must always be prepared for an attack. Our text this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 17 to 25. But our text describes a battle in the life of David. It reveals several valuable lessons that we can learn about winning this battle against Satan. Over in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 5, we're going to learn a little bit about David, how he uh, was ready and prepared for attack. Starting in chapter 5, verse, starting in verse 17, we're told, But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines come up to seek David, and David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, and I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hands. And David came to Baal-Permazim, and David spoke them there and said, The Lord had broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the branch of waters. Therefore he is called, therefore he is called the name of that place, Baal Perazim. And there they left their images, and David and his men burned them. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up. But fetch a compass behind them, come up upon them over against the mulberry trees, and let it be, when thou hearest the sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smoke the host of the Philistines. And David did so, and the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Jeba unto thou come 
to Gezer. We see here that the Philistines have been a constant enemy of God's people, Israel, robbing them of peace and tranquility. That's what Satan tries to rob each and every one of us as Christians of. When we decide to submit to Christ as Lord and follow him, there will be attacks according to 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. In fact, let's turn over right quick. 1 Peter 5, 8, and 9. When he points this out in straight words, when it says 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 8, it says, Be sober, be diligent, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, who resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. It's telling us here that we need to always be to be built, to be sober, sober-minded, because our adversary, this devil, he's like a roaring lion. He's just going to come in on us and attack us at any time. We need to be prepared for it. Now, note the timing of the enemy's attack. Seven years earlier, David was appointed king of Judah, but this past year he had, had been filled with battles and discouragement. But now he has just been anointed king of both Judah and Israel. So the Philistines launched a surprise attack, hoping to catch him off guard. And that's the same thing that Satan's going to do to each and every one of Christians. He likes to attack us when we least expect it. That's why constant diligence is called for. We say, well, you know, I'm a strong enough Christian, the devil don't bother me anymore. He's done, done found out how strong I am and left me alone. That's when you better take it up. Examine your lives. Because the only time the devil's not going to mess with you is when he's already got you in the grip of his hand. But as long as you're in God's hands, he's going to constantly be on you. Well, turn back over to Matthew. Matthew chapter uh, 26. We've been studying Matthew on, on Wednesday evening. I encourage everyone to come to the uh, Sunday morning services and the Wednesday night ones. But Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. And I want us to recall God's word, uh, Christ's word in Matthew chapter 26, verse 14. When Christ said, Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot. Wait a minute. 26, verse 14. Okay. Then uh, one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went out to the chief priest and said unto them, What way would you give me? And I would deliver unto them. Here we see in that Judas, the devil's already come into Judas's life. And he's, as one of uh, God's disciples, he said, he got Judas now. Judas is already saying, well, what will you pay me? What can I get? It's all about Judas now. It's not about Christ. It's what can I get? What can you give me? But if you look back up in verse 13, when Christ says, uh, Verily I say to whosoever, the gospel shall be preached in the whole world. There shall also this this woman had done. He told her more of her. Then it then gets back into it again. What is it? When we get uh, in our life, when we get deciding what's in it me, what can I get out of it other than salvation from my soul? What kind of material gain can I get? That's when we're messing up. What we got to look out is what can I get out of it pertaining to my spiritual life. We need to be in it for God. The Philistines here were very determined to defeat David in Israel. Note now that all the Philistines went out to seek David. They wouldn't stop at nothing to defeat David. If Satan knows 
He has been defeated by Christ. But he wants to take as many as possible to hell with him. We're told that in John 12, 31, and also in uh, Revelations chapter 12, verses 7 through 12. The, and the devil already knows he's been defeated by Christ, but he wants to take as many of us with him as he can. I just say that misery loves company. But here we see that the Philistines have spread themselves out in the valley. They wanted to intimidate the Israelites, to strike fear into the heart. But Satan, and Satan wants to do the same thing. He wants us to take our eyes off from Jesus. We've seen uh, the westerns and all, how when the cavalry comes in against the Indians, how they are spread out. And then, they'll, and then the Indians are kind of bunch up behind the trees and all, but the cavalry is spread out, and then they go to blowing on their, their bugles and everything and go to holler and make... But we see that what they're trying to do is get the Indians distracted. Now the Indians are going to all come out and do the hollering and beating on the drums. They're trying the same thing. So it must be a good technique. That's why the devil, the devil's going to try everything he can. He's going to throw every distraction he can to you. When we get ready to come to church on Sunday mornings and all, crossing over to the bridge, we see people putting boats in the water. You say, man, I like to fish in myself. Or uh, you see signs pop up in windows of a big sale we're having today. Or we see people going into restaurants. Now, he's giving us all kinds of distractions. He might even cause you to have car trouble or something. Uh, make the air condition go out on the car on a hot day. He is trying to distract you from and get your eyes off from Jesus. Remember when, I, when Peter was walking in the water in Matthew 14, 24, and 30. Matthew uh, 14, 24, and 30. How when he walked off, how when he took his eyes off from Christ, that's when he started sinking. And that's the same thing with each and every one of us. When we are, or take our eyes off from Jesus, that's when we're going to start sinking in our problems. That's when the devil's going to start taking control of it. But as long as we keep our hearts and our minds and our sights focused upon God, then we can pretty much take care and come through anything that the devil throws out in front of us. And the devil knows that. That's why he's going to try us. Now we see it here we just read in our text. Verses 19 through 23. It talks about David's strategy for victory. And I'm going to back up to 2 Samuel right quick. And kind of look back through the kind of pick it apart a little bit and discuss it out. So we're going to go back to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 5. Here we see in verses 19 and 23 where it says, Then David inquired of the Lord. And the first thing David done was inquire upon the Lord. How many times when we are faced with a problem, is that the first thing that we do? Do we inquire upon the Lord on what I should do? You know, it's like when we, we pray and we ask God, Lord, I got this bill. I got to pay. I don't know how I'm going to pay it. Please help me pay it. And then when we say amen, do we jump up and say, well, you know, I can't get a second job or I can sell something. Or do we just go about our way and say, okay, the Lord's, it's in the Lord's hands now. He's going to take care of it. But 19 it said, And David inquired the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to Philistine? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And what the Lord said to David, He told him, Go up, for I would doubtless deliver the Philistines into their hand. Now did David ask again, Lord, are you sure you're going to be with me? Now it tells in verse 20, David came to Balaperson, and David spoke to them there, and said, The Lord had broken forth upon mine enemies before me, as the branch of water. Therefore, he called the name of the place Balsam. And we've seen on down here, we're talking about 21, and they 
They, they talks about how they left their images there. And David and his men burned them. They didn't collect them up and sell them to see what the kind of profit they could make off from. So they destroyed them. But we're saying the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves. Coming up again. They done got whipped one time. They're coming up again. And when David acquired the Lord, shall I go up again, Lord? Well, look, the Lord told him, no, don't do it. Come around behind. Change your tactic. And that's the same because if these people had already come up one time, and they got defeated. Don't you think that they learned a lesson? They got uh, kind of drawn back and regrouped and going to go out on them again, and the Lord knows that. So he's going to tell David, we got to change our game plan up. But it said David called and asked the Lord to help him with it. And undoubtedly, he trusted in the Lord because he went up to meet him. And we've seen that the Lord took care of him. David's joy at being crowned king was kind of cut short. Now even though he didn't go out looking for trouble, trouble found him. That's probably never happened to any of us. Ever. Get up in the morning, say, oh man, I'm, I'm feeling good this morning, have a good meal, get in your car and ready to roll and get to work or wherever you're going and somehow or another, some kind of trouble finds us. We didn't go out looking for it. But you don't have to look for trouble. The devil will supply it for us. Same thing with temptations. We don't have to go out and look for it. We don't have to create it. The devil's already got a bunch invented that he'll just lay on us. By learning David's response to the Philistine attack, we can see the, how the best way to respond to Satan's attack. The first thing we can learn is right there in verse 19. David inquired of the Lord. Now, he didn't call, it didn't say that he called all of his chief advisors in and, and everybody and asked them, how should I do this? He inquired upon the Lord. David inquired of the Lord and prayed for guidance. This was a common strategy for David. We see that in 1 Samuel 23, verses 1 and 2. Also in 1 Samuel 23, verses 10 and 12. This needs to be our first response when our enemy attacks us. And when I say our enemy attacks us, sometimes it comes from, from within. It can come within the church. The devil can use uh, our brothers and sisters here in the church. But he can use our physical uh, brothers and sisters and family members and all to kind of come against us. He knows what each and every one of us weaknesses are. And he's going to use them. To, our, to his advantage, to try and come over. We need to do what David did, though. Inquire upon the Lord and rely on the Lord. He knows the battles we face, our strengths, our weaknesses. We must seek the Lord for trust and help. We're told that in Psalms 25 and verse 5. Matter of fact, I'm going to turn over to Psalms chapter 25 and verse 5. We know it's the Lord's word. It's not Bubba's words. I like to talk to the young people and I tell them, you know, call it Bubba Philosophy 101. This right here is the Lord's Word. <clears throat> In verse, uh, Psalms 25, verse 5, when it says, Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. It says here, do I wait all the day? When we pray and ask God for something, we shouldn't say, okay, Lord, I want this and I, I want it now. I want you to do this, but I want you to do it now. We need to pray and ask the Lord for it and pray and ask the Lord to help us with it and accept his terms 
and, and everything. Now earlier we see that the Israelites had been deceived by the men of Gibeon because they had not sought the Lord. We're told that in Joshua chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. Another lesson, the thing we see here is that David obeyed the Lord and believed and trusted in the Lord. He immediately followed God's instructions without questioning them. When God told him to do something, he didn't say, Lord, are you sure about that? Are you sure you know they're they're powerful? Should I do it? You know, it's like the old story, and I know told it before, but it's like the man that was out hunting. He fell off from a cliff. And on his way down, he reaches up and he grabs this little branch. And he goes to holler and help. And after hollering and help for about 10 or 15 minutes, he hears a voice saying, I'll help you. He said, oh, I'm glad somebody's here to help me. Who is it? He says, I'm the Lord. He said, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for helping me. Just tell me what to do. The Lord said, let go of the branch you're hanging on to. The man looked at the branch. He looked down below and looked at the branch. He looked way back down below and he looked again. He said, Lord, are you sure you want me to turn loose of this branch? The Lord said, yes, let go of the branch. And I will save you. The man looked at the branch and he looked way down below again. And then he said, help, is there anybody else out there that can help me? You know, that's what we do nowadays. We don't want to take the way that we know that the Lord wants us to do it. We want it done, but we want it done in what seems to be comfortable and easiest for us. It's like Naaman when he told him to go and dip in Jordan. He don't want to go dip in that nasty water. I want to go somewhere that's clean water. I want to go get some nice, warm, clean, soapy water. I want to go out in that nasty water. But it's not the water. It's not the cleanness nor the dirtiness of that water. We know it is all in obeying God's command. It's like the, when we are baptized here in this water here. It's not this water right here that's going to save us of our sins. But it's our obedience to God by being baptized into that water that's going to help us. But we need to do as David did. We need to trust and rely on the Lord. We need to do what we feel what God's word tells us to do without questioning God's word. Because the Lord knows best. We're told that over in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9. Hebrews chapter 5 and 9 tells us plainly in being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. It didn't say that he became the author of eternal salvation, all of them that believed in him. It said all of them that obeyed him. We not only have to believe in the Lord, but we have to obey him. Now we see here that they took the idols and they burned them. Same thing in Deuteronomy 7 and 5, Deuteronomy 7 and 25, 1 Chronicles 14 and 12. They take the, the idols and they burn them. They don't go out and sell them for uh, gain or a profit or anything. Another left we see here is that David depended upon the Lord. God told David to change a battle plan. Now David could easily have said, now wait a minute, those other battle plans worked real good. That worked good, let's stick to it, but he did. God told him to change the battle plans, and what did he do? He changed the battle plan. God brought him through another victory. Even though the Philistines had been beaten by a frontal assault the first time, God told David to change his tactics and attack from the rear. We must reply, we must rely on the words of God. We must rely on the, uh, on the words of 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. Excuse me. 
that no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Everywhere in the Bible where you find someone's in some kind of situation, some kind of predicament, whether it's uh, their life's in danger, whatever, there is a way out. Take, take probably the greatest one in here, the flood. God gave each and every, every person around a way out of that flood. Every time you get into a situation, there is a way out. God's going to give it to you. Now, whether if you take it or not, that's going to be your decision. And uh, another one we can learn is from verses uh, 24 and 25. Verses 20 from 2 Samuel chapter 5. 24 and 25 says, And let it be when thou hearest the sounds of the going in the tops of the mulberry bushes, that thou shalt stir thyself, and then shall the Lord go out before thee and smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so to the Lord and commanded him, and smote the Philistine from Geba until uh, thou come to Gazer. And we see that God provided victory when David followed God's lead. He led him to a group of mulberry bushes or uh, uh, balsam trees, or they call them. But David was told to wait for the sound of a going or a sound of a marching light in the tops of the tree. The Lord's presence would be with him and go before him. It's truly a wonderful blessing to know that we don't have to fight our battles alone. God will be with us. Not even Satan has the power to separate us uh, from God. We see over in I'm going to turn over real quick. We went to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 39. We see here it says, What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spareth not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not be with not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that command, condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed, and the killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that love us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. People say, well, uh, if we allow them to do it, they can't. They didn't separate us from God. We separate ourselves from God if we do that. We need to uh, totally... And I hope you got out of this lesson this morning. We need to totally rely upon, we need to first off call upon the Lord. As I say, cast your bread upon the waters. 
We need to cast all of our burdens upon the Lord. He already knows what, what we're going through. But as parents, we know what our children are going through. But don't make you feel a little better when they come and ask you. That way they can't say, you know, uh, stay out of my business. Because they put us in their business. But it's this God. God knows what each and every one of us are going for. He knows what our hearts desire. We need to pray and ask him for whatever we need. But then we need to rely upon him. We need to, to have uh, trust in him that what he tells us is going to be the best way. And then we need to act upon it, be obedient to him, and work in the way that he has us to. Now, in conclusion this morning, after we went through all this, I'm telling you that we need to be. We have to be. We should want to be obedient to God. Study God's word frequently. It'll tell you what we need to do and what we shouldn't do. We need to be obedient and do what God tells us and don't do what he tells us not to do. We need to call upon him when we are in faith, find ourselves faced with some trials, tribulations. We need to pray and ask him. We need to believe in him. We need to be obedient to him. If for some reason, if some of us hadn't been baptized and become a child of God, then we need to share in the joy of God's presence. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Also Acts 3, 19 and 20. Not, verses 19 and 20 tells us we need to be baptized for remission of our sins. If we have been baptized for remission of our sins, we've stepped out of God's uh, way, we need to, and we need the prayers and encouragement of the congregation to help us get back on track, to get our life straightened out. When we told before we take the Lord's Supper, we need to examine ourselves, examine our relationship with God. If you've examined yourself and you find yourself slacking in it, you find yourself needing the prayer and the encouragement of the congregation, whatever need may be, we ask you to come forward this time when we stand to sing our song of invitation.